Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Extra point on this Friday, August 18th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. You know what it is. It's Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Von Hansen's, not your normal meat market, craft beer, wine, spirits, amazing treats for your four-legged friends. They're located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. We'll have the weekend special shortly. We'll have the $100 gift certificate at some strategical point in our number two but let's reset the scene here with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question jay morrison of pro football network talked all things Bengals with us in the previous hour and so it culminates here with the over under 11 and a half wins for the Bengals in 2023 the masses remain on the over side of things at 60 percent under trailing at 40 percent of the vote yeah, things have definitely changed in uh, Bengals land in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, from an inefficient, cheap franchise, quite frankly, uh, to at least paying some of the free agents and going out and getting other free agents. That didn't happen for many years under uh, the direction of Mike Brown, who's you know still with. <clears throat> excuse me, Mike Brown's still with us, but uh, you know he's uh, you know, kind of taking a little bit of a lesser role. But I'm sure that the uh, uh, you know the frug- the frugal uh, approach for Mr. Brown over the years hasn't changed that much, but they have paid some people here lately. They didn't keep everybody; that wasn't going to happen. But uh, so that's happened, and the Bengals are also winning games. And uh, you know the eleven and a half wins. Uh, no team in the NFL has a higher consensus win total than they do. There's three or four other teams that are also eleven and a half in most locations. Uh, but uh, those things have. Uh, Definitely different uh, in the last couple years, and they they had expectations last year and came within you know one game of returning to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and there was all that uproar, right? Paul Brown Stadium, now Paycor Stadium. Yeah, I don't even know about that. I don't. You know, that was a couple of my... off seasons ago. Yeah, I don't remember that, but you know that was. Uh, I'm sure that was a big deal because you know Paul Brown is a. Uh, legendary coach in the state of ohio he actually started his uh you know before he was with the cleveland browns obviously they you know he named the franchise after himself at that point but he was a coach at ohio state in the 40s when they won a national championship and they end up in cleveland and then after he and art modell clashed and uh, the owner of the browns at that time in Cleveland, he was fired, and uh, you know, a handful of years later, he basically uh, was given the AFL franchise, which became the Bengals, and same colors and so forth. And uh, you know, a lot, lot of uh, stuff going on in the state of Ohio history for Mr. Brown. We'll answer that question officially around 11.30 today. Flipping it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Bob caught up with Jason Bristol from KHOU 11 in Houston talking all things Texans. And it's over under five and a half wins for these Texans team. Under remains out in front at 70% of the vote, over trailing at 30%. 
And we could have chosen quite a few numbers here. I think the consensus uh, number right now is six and a half. But the majority of the offseason, really for like three months, uh, the number was uh, five and a half. If you were out looking around for these numbers, or, you know, for the majority of the offseason, five and a half was the number. So we I kind of landed on that one. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, so that's uh, you know, a lot of fluctuation there. And we've talked the last couple of days now. Uh, some of these season win totals, if you shop around, you can get a number that uh, kind of benefits what you want to do. Whether you want to go over on a team or under on a team, just look around and you can sometimes find the best number for you. Nick Suss of the Tennessean is expected to join us around 11.15. We'll get a Tennessee Titans update uh, on the KDOS hotline. But the Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits weekend specials, certified Angus beef grill steaks at $12.99 a pound, pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound, and fresh whole frying chickens at $1.99 a pound. Visit them at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler, and we will have the $100 gift certificate available to you a little bit later on in today's show. The Arizona Cardinals, they continue preseason action on Saturday. It's game number two from State Farm Stadium, 5 p.m. on Channel 12 with the Chiefs coming into town. I haven't seen anything updated yet so far today. Previously, we didn't know the plan for the Cardinals, according to uh, head coach Jonathan Gannon, in regards to how long starters would play, if starters would play, how that would all operate. We do know what's going to be expected for the Chiefs, that they are expected to play their starters in the first first half of the game on Saturday. I'm really surprised about that. Actually, I thought on ESPN yesterday they said the, uh, to the contrary that they weren't going to play. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. A lot of their starters played last Sunday or Saturday, whatever day that was, last weekend uh, at uh, New Orleans. So we'll see. I'm surprised because they had so many guys that went down in week one on the Cardinals playing surface here and Andy Reid. And uh, many of the Chiefs complained about the playing surface immediately after that game ended a year ago when they won like 100 to 10 or whatever the final score was to start the season. Here are some of the things that I'll be watching for preseason game number two on Saturday. Uh, how does this offensive line do, specifically Paris Johnson Jr.? Is there some growth from him from game one to game two? Can he kind of set the edge? How is he in pass blocking as well as run blocking? I don't think he was very good at either of them in the, in the game last week. And, you know, it's not like the Broncos uh, have their you know, best edge rushers out there. Uh, so I think that his uh, his performance last week, and, then, you know, I'm not exactly the highest uh, Paris Johnson guy as far as evaluating. Uh, you know, I, was, I don't think there's any chance he could be a left tackle in the NFL right now. He was actually better, in my opinion, as an interior guard at Ohio State than he was when he had an opportunity to play the final season of his college career at tackle. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm guessing that we're going to talk about the offensive line for the Cardinals in every game they play this year, whether it's a preseason or whether it's a, you know, a regular season game. And will they be able to block anybody? And other than D.J. Humphreys, uh, who uh, didn't play last week, I'm not really sure if they have anybody that I think has, uh, you know, that I'm confident can actually block, you know, the opponent on a uh, consistent basis. I have seen this here uh, that maybe potentially here Kelvin Beecham could be available for trade. 
Well, it makes sense. I mean, he's playing left tackle in the fourth quarter of the first preseason game last week. This was after, you know, to my knowledge, and did the practice we were at a couple of Saturdays ago. Uh, he was specifically a backup right tackle, and uh, he got some snaps at left tackle in a, in a clear backup backup rule last week. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, the you know, that's it wouldn't surprise me, and uh, you know, certainly. Yeah, his character is unquestioned, uh, and uh, yeah, I would think there's a you know a team that could use him. Even though so far, knock on my countertop here because this isn't exactly wood, but knock on my counter, knock on my countertop. So far, there doesn't seem to have been a whole lot of offensive line injuries so far this year, except in Miami yesterday, or I guess that was not in Miami, but the Dolphins yesterday. Uh, so hopefully. Uh, you know, like last year when there seemed to just be an epidemic of offensive line injuries that started in the preseason and unfortunately continued through a lot of the regular season. Some of the best offensive linemen and some of the best offensive lines in the league were affected by those injuries, including the Titans, who we'll talk about in the next segment. Uh, I'm continuing on with some of the things that I'll be paying attention to for preseason game number two, and this is similar to preseason game number one. Don't think it's going to change until we get some answers. Keytrell Clark, Christian Matthew, who's going to be cornerback number two. Nick Rollis was asked uh, yesterday if he wants to see someone emerge or if the plan really is just going to be kind of a rotational basis. And uh, so just kind of curious to see how or if someone does emerge. What does Clark have to do? I mean, I've heard all these good things about him from everybody that's actually been at practice, or not everybody, but several people. Uh, certainly have seen him personally twice now, either in the game last week or the practice we went to, and I haven't seen anything from the competition in two years. Uh, then I'm curious to see here, following up on Zayvon Collins' game one, does he continue to look comfortable in that pass rushing role? Uh, can he get some pressure there as well? Um, also going to follow along with the punter holder kicking operations, see if, how that gets solidified. In addition to how many snaps for Colt in the first team offense, does the first team offense, can they move the ball? And are there some running lanes? Yeah, that goes back to that offensive line thing again. Um, I'm not real sure if we're going to learn any you know, the Car- the Cardinals' pass rush might look good again, but as we've said for decades, uh, I don't think you can get a whole lot out of pass protection and pass blocking in uh, preseason or in training camp, for that matter, unless it's just woefully terrible, which apparently has happened so far with the Jets in their two weeks of game play with the first team and also you know practices in the last two weeks uh, whether it be against the Panthers or the Buccaneers and seems like the the, the Jets who their offensive line I question the entire offseason might still be not good uh, Nick Rollis, he said that he will be on the sideline calling the game as defensive coordinator uh, on Saturday, that he was originally maybe going to go up to the booth and also figure out what he liked better, but he said he really enjoyed being on the sideline. He liked it a lot, and that's where he's going to be. That makes sense to me. It just seems like it's an extra part of the process that can be eliminated if you don't have like a middleman uh, on the sideline calling the uh, signals from him in the press box. 
Nick Suss of the Tennessean is set to join us on the other side of the break, talking all things Tennessee. Titans will make room for him. It's all happening here on the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports on this Friday, August 18th. We wrap up the AFC South conversation. Nick Suss of the Tennessean is joining us now on the KDUS hotline. Nick, it is Kayla and Bob. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, y'all. Absolutely. Looking forward to the conversation here. I've kind of been starting a lot of these at the quarterback position, and uh, certainly they're running it back once again with Ryan Tannehill to start the season, but it's yet another year that the Titans selected a quarterback. So how has Tannehill been approaching the start to the season, and what's the backup quarterback competition like between Malik Willis and Will Levis? Yeah, to start with Tannehill, I mean, he has looked every bit as good as he has the past couple years uh, with probably the reinvigoration of having a little bit better of a supporting cast this year than he did last year. Traylon Burks coming into his own in year two, signing DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera. But now with Burks going down with an injury this week, you bring into question of just how potent can this passing offense be if it only has one true reliable uh, outside threat, which is something that uh, they're going to have to work through. And if Burks' injury is as minimal as the team is alluding to, it's probably not even that big of a deal worth talking about. But the backup competition is obviously a lot more interesting. And, and Will Levis, the guy they took in the second round this year, is now in a little bit of a question mark, given that he left practice a little bit early yeah. on Thursday. And we don't exactly know the severity of that injury. But when him and Malik Willis have been on the field, they have been probably pretty close to even. I'd say Malik has had an edge in the practice field, and uh, in the first preseason game, he did look a little bit more composed, which is quite a turnaround for a guy who really struggled as a rookie last year, the third-round pick. He just uh, couldn't really find his footing, couldn't really adjust to the speed of the pro game. It was his first time calling plays from a huddle, first time taking snaps from under center, first time playing within a pro-style system, and he seems to have taken to it a little bit better this year, uh, he looks a lot more wizened, a lot more composed in the pocket and in the huddle. And he seems like he's making quicker decisions, getting the ball out of his hand faster. And, and that was a huge problem for him last year. So the ability to do that um, uh, seems like it's taken a big stride for him where four or five months ago when the Titans picked Levis, there was questions of, is Malik making the team this year? Now I think it would be kind of silly for the Titans not to carry three quarterbacks given the strides forward Malik has taken. Okay, kind of a two-parter here. Tanny Hill and Henry, uh, Derek Henry, both back for another season. Was there any level of surprise there? Also, you know, they you know drafted, you mentioned Levis. They also drafted Ty G. Spears. So is this kind of like the final rodeo for this group? Yeah, it's tough to say before the season shakes out, but both Tannehill and Henry are on the last year of their contracts. So this does feel like it could be 
uh, final hurrah in a couple of ways, uh, given the success they've had since 2019 with this core together. There's obviously nothing stopping them from re-signing one or both when they hit free agency next year because they'll have so much cap space taken off the books by Tannehill and Henry's contracts coming off. But the simple dynamics of NFL salary cap structure we all understand is that Tannehill, I believe, is under contract for $27 million this year, which is a big number for a quarterback, but really not that big anymore given looking at guys like Daniel Jones making $40 million this offseason. That'd probably be roundabout the range Tannehill would be commanding, and then we also know how much controversy there has been this offseason about paying running backs, and Derrick Henry isn't a guy heading into his second contract. He's a guy heading into his third contract. He's turning 30 in January. That's kind of the cliff point for a lot of running backs. So Tajay Spears has looked awesome in training camp. He's a very different kind of running back than Derrick Henry, probably more in the Alvin Kamara-type mold of guy who can run between the tackles but also play in the past game, supply a lot of different success. And I think he's going to be a very good change of pace back this year, whether the Titans view him as a full-time feature back of the future or if Henry needs to be retained on a franchise tag or this or that. It's really tough to say, but the clock is ticking. These are their last years. Nick Suss from the Tennessee and talking all things Tennessee Titans here with us on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. I want to stay with the offense a bit. There was a change in the offseason. Tim Kelly now is the new offensive coordinator. He was the passing game coordinator last season, promoted to OC now. So is is it really more of the same to expect from this offense or does he want to, uh, I guess, open things up a little bit more? No, I do think that the the goal is to open things up more. I think that Tempo is going to be a big focus. The Titans did not run a particularly up-tempo offense last year, and predictability is a big focus. I think last year the Titans ran pretty predictable personnel packages, which is way more alliterative than I intended. I'm sorry. Um, if they, they ran a lot of, if this tight end was on the field, Derrick Henry's going to run left. And if this receiver's on the field, they're going to throw over the middle. Like The plays were pretty easy to telegraph if you were a defense, and that doesn't matter when Derrick Henry is a guy who can run for 2,000 yards like he was two, three years ago, but with questions about the offensive line and with questions about just Henry getting older and the mileage on his legs, that might not be as sustainable. So Kelly's coming in, diversifying not just the personnel packages, but diversifying what players do when they're on the field so it's not a dead giveaway of you send this tight end onto the field, that means they're running the ball. You send this receiver onto the field, that means they're throwing the ball. And so doing that in conjunction with speeding up the the tempo and kind of changing some of the verbiage and and, uh, play calling strategies there, I think, is what they're planning to do to open up the offense. But you are kind of handcuffed by Derrick Henry when you have him, no matter how versatile and multiple you want your offense to be. If you have a running back who's good enough to touch the ball 25 to 30 times a game and you give him the ball that often, there's going to be a certain amount of plotting and slowed down just to get him going in rhythm. Okay, so that's part of the deal here with my next question. You know, the signing of DeAndre Hopkins, were you surprised they added him? And I assume his importance is increased here with Burks going down this week with the injury. Yeah, I mean, his his importance was innumerable before Burks' injury even. But, look, I mean, before uh, DeAndre signed with the Titans, the receiver they had on roster who had the – 
biggest career high in receiving yards in the NFL was journeyman Chris Moore, who I believe had like 570 in his best ever year. DeAndre is a 10-year NFL pro who's never had less than 600 yards in a season, and that's counting the last two years in Arizona where he didn't play full seasons. They didn't have any experience here. And, and you can project Traylon Burks ahead, and you can project Kyle Phillips ahead, and tight end Chigakonkwo. You can project him ahead and say, look, these are all second-year guys. Let them grow into it. And they very well may grow into it. But the simple reality is this is a tight receiving core that didn't have any bona fide proven talent uh, or production rather I should say on the outside D-Hop is going to be that and whether he's the same guy he was in 20 what was it 2020 his first year in Arizona or 2019 his last year in Houston hard to say but his offensive coordinator his last year in Houston was Tim Kelly so they do have that mm-hmm. familiarity there and Charles London who's the Titans passing game coordinator this year I want to say he was the running backs coach in Houston when DeAndre was there and there is that built-in communication and knowledge of the scheme. So you factor that in with a team that pretty desperately needed him. Without him, they would have almost inarguably been the worst receiving core in the NFL. Now, if him and Burks are healthy, you can probably put them in the 18 to 20 range, which is a pretty huge upgrade. And yeah, no, I mean, he's going to be a big, big part of the offense. And it's probably still going to be Derrick Henry's offense, given the success he's had. But I would not be surprised if DeAndre becomes a guy who can make the most of his seven or eight targets a game and end up being a guy who gets up around 800, 900 receiving yards. And Titans' leading receiver last year was around 500. So that's a that's a huge upgrade. Flipping this to the defensive side of the ball, having a Tennessee Titans conversation with Nick Suss from the Tennessean here. Uh, Sean Murphy bunting brought in at corner in the offseason here. So how will that help solidify the secondary? And do you have a status update of Caleb Farley, the former first round pick of 2021? Yeah, Farley's still in a holding pattern. It is really tough to say um, if and when he'll be back. He's coming back from a back injury, which is just a tough thing to predict last I talked to him last time the team made him available was back in January and he said he was starting to feel himself again but we're now heading towards the end of August and he didn't participate on the field in OTAs and he hasn't been out for training camp so still have to figure out that status there but with Sean Murphy Bunting coming in free agency from Tampa I think that he's going to be an important cog because other than him, the Titans didn't really make any changes to their secondary this offseason, and that is a bit surprising given that the Titans ranked 32nd in the NFL in pass defense last year, and so much of that came from other teams completely abandoning the run against the Titans and not wanting to go up against Jeffrey Simmons and Nico Autry, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is the Titans had a really young secondary that was exposed a bunch last year. So Sean Murphy Bunting coming in as a veteran presence should be able to help that a little bit. Uh, Christian Fulton and him taking the outside, letting Roger McCreary bump inside to the slot, getting Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker healthy. Uh, Byard played every game last year, but Hooker missed a lot of time. Taking Elijah Molden, their third-year pro, kind of making him more of a dime safety, nickel corner kind of hybrid player everywhere. I think they're probably better suited depth-wise than they were last year when I'm sure people have heard this narrative across the NFL, but the Titans have used the most players in the NFL back-to-back seasons. I think it was like 91 yeah. in 2021 and 84 or so last year. Those injuries particularly hit the secondary last year. And and so 
adding that extra depth piece in Murphy Bunting, getting a little bit of experience, bringing in a new cornerbacks coach in Chris Harris. Hopefully that is what the Titans are trying to do when it comes to fixing a unit that uh, got exposed last year. Unfortunately, Chris Harris, I don't think, could still play because that dude could play back in the day. Uh, back, you know, also, the injuries hit the offensive line, and, and that group, that unit has rapidly declined here the last couple of years. Might the offensive line show some improvement this year? I really don't know how they don't, uh, given the way things ended last <laughs> year, but you're right. So much of it was injury-related. I think that if I'm remembering the stats correctly off the top of my head, the Titans allowed the highest percentage of pressures per drop back in the NFL last year and were the fourth worst in the NFL in rushing yards before contact, which means they were pretty putrid in both run blocking and pass blocking by the simplest metrics you can think of. They completely rebuilt the offensive line this year. Left tackle is going to be Andre Dillard, who was a, a reserve piece for the Eagles last year. The left guard is going to be Peter Skaronsky, who the Titans picked in the first round. The center is going to be Aaron Brewer, who started at guard last year and has bumped inside. The right guard is going to be Daniel Brunskill, who played for the 49ers last year. And the right tackle was supposed to be Nicholas Petit-Frere, who was the one holdover on the starting line last year, but he is suspended to start the season for violating the league's gambling policy. So they went out and signed Chris Hubbard, who I believe played in Arizona at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and, and so they're five new starters essentially with one guy moving positions it looks better but it's still i mean you're banking on a left tackle who couldn't start in philly a right guard who didn't start in uh in san francisco a left guard who is a rookie who's never played guard before because he was a college tackle a center who is I believe 280 or so pounds. He's pretty undersized by NFL offensive lineman standards. And a journeyman right tackle who they signed on July 28th. So it's still a lot of moving pieces to figure out. And I think the preseason is going to be really valuable to see these guys get this chemistry together because, again, it's hard to be worse than the worst in the NFL last year, but there's still, there's still a lot of improvement that needs to be done. 39 sacks for this defense last year, led by Danico Autry. What's the status here of Harold Landry, who missed all of 2022, and how will that help bolster the pass rushing unit? Oh, the pass rushing unit is probably the strongest part of this team because you talk about Harold Landry missing last year. Danico Autry missed essentially most of the second half of last season and led the team in sacks. Jeffrey Simmons was playing on a bum ankle for the last 10 games of the season. They go out and sign Arden Key from Jacksonville, who's going to be a big help uh, for them on the defensive line. You have Pierre Tart in the middle, who's a guy they uh, I think they tendered as on a first or second round tender this year as a restricted free agent who they really think highly of. This pass rush is, and this run-stopping unit, is the strength of the Titans and has been the strength of the Titans since uh, the Rabel era began. They finished... Number one in the NFL against the run last year, as I alluded to, and I think they were number two the year before. They're really stout up front. But getting Landry back after he had his best season in 2021, that Pro Bowl year, missed all of 2022 with the ACL. He's looked himself uh, maybe a little bit stronger up top, as often happens when guys are rehabbing from ACLs. They can't use their lower body as much, so they really work out up top. So he's probably going to have a more diverse array of moves coming off the edge this year, better than just coming off with pure speed like he did maybe when he was younger in his career. 
Arden Key's a really versatile guy. Danico Autry's a really versatile guy. You can move them across the front, have them at defensive tackle, have them at defensive end, have them stand up at outside linebacker. Being able to hit you from all those different ways with Jeffrey Simmons being one of the truly elite players in the NFL, kind of clogging it up in the middle, that's a unit that's going to be really tough to beat for NFL offensive lines. So that is, if there's a strength of this team, it's got to be there. Okay, I think Vrabel is one of the best coaches in the league. I want to believe in the uh, the Titans to bounce back here. Am I crazy to consider betting over seven and a half wins for the year? I don't think anybody's crazy to bet anything, honestly. I mean, this is a tough team. <laughs> this is a tough team to get a read on. It, you have to imagine that injury luck can't be as bad as it was the last two years. But you also have to understand that more than any other team in the NFL, we know exactly how much of a house of cards the Titans are because we've seen them have to play so many backups in the last two years. It's one thing to say, oh, this team has depth, though this team doesn't have depth. What the Titans have is proof of concept for depth. Of You can be as deep as you want. Your starters are still starters for a reason. And so if Ryan Tannehill goes out this year, I imagine they are in a better position without him than they were last year. If Derrick Henry goes out this year, I imagine they are in a better position without him than they were two years ago when he got hurt all the way through the line of you lose Burks, you have Hopkins, you et cetera, et cetera, go through it. You drafted these offensive linemen to be backups, so if you lose them, the depth is better, but you still want your starters to be out there. And you have to imagine that the Titans will – regress to the mean or progress to the mean, whichever way you look at it when it comes to injury luck. And if that's the case, you look at their schedule this year, they got two games against the Houston Texans, two games against the Indianapolis Colts. You got four games against the NFC South, which means the Saints, Falcons, Bucks, and Panthers are not the strongest teams in the league right now. You don't have to play the division winners like they have the last couple of years. So instead of playing your Bills and your Chiefs, they're playing the I want to say the Dolphins and the Chargers are their AFC cross division. They get the Seahawks from the NFC. It is a slightly easier schedule than they've grown accustomed to at the peak of the Vrabel era. So you stay healthy, you play an easier schedule, and you have, in theory, more depth than you have in the past. Yeah, they could bounce back, but you're also a team built around Ryan Tannehill in the last year of his contract, Derrick Henry in the last year of his contract, DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of 30. It's an older team. It's not the the same explosive and, and dominant team that they were in 2020 when they had one of the five best offenses in the NFL. That's just not exactly who they are right now. Nick, this has been fantastic information here. We really appreciate it and look forward to catching up with you as the season rolls along. Yeah, thank you. I'll appreciate it. Once again, he is Nick Suss there from the Tennessean, and he was talking there about uh, whether or not this team can get over that win-loss total of 7.5. I know you feel strong about the Titans, and I feel like it's a lot to do with just Vrabel, right? Yeah, but also you know, it's him pointing out that you know the last two years they've led the league in most games missed because of injury. And uh, the offensive line, they certainly tried to improve in those areas. Uh, we'll see how that goes. They need some guys. You know, Dillard was the f- you know, first-round pick back in the day, and then the Eagles' offensive line just got better, and he kind of got passed over a little bit. So there's some pedigree there uh, from his Washington State days, etc. So, you know, I think that uh, it's not a big shock that you know, when we get to that question here in the next segment, uh, I'm going to be 
you know, advising that we bet the uh, the Titans over the total. It's poll question time next here on KDOS AM 1060. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Eleven forty-one on this Friday, August 18th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We've had previews galore this week, and especially today, talking about the Texans in the 9 o'clock hour, the Bengals in the 10 o'clock hour, and just wrapping things up with the Titans, with Nick Suss of the Tennessee. And in the previous segment, you can podcast all of that over at KDOS1060.com, as well as with the KDOS. 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. But as we do in this segment, let's... Yeah, Kayla, before we get going here with the questions, you know, I got confused there between the Titans and the Texans there in the last segment. Uh, I'm definitely interested in betting the Titans over the total this week. This year, we talked about them a little. We had this question earlier in the week. We had to reschedule Nick from Wednesday to today. But, you know, because of a lot of things that he said there, uh, in fact, that's a really... I'd like... I'm just, just... we should have just recorded that little thing. His ex- explanation of the schedule. Okay, I'm over the seven and a half. Okay, on to the poll questions. All right. <laughs> KDOS1060.com with the Cincinnati Bengals. They have a high win total of 11 and a half wins for 2023. So are you over or under that win total? I like the Bengals, but I just, this is, this number's too high. However, if I were an odds maker, what are you supposed to do with this number? I mean, if you made it lower, you would get pounded by people betting it over. And uh, if you made it like you know higher than this, you're going to get pounded with under. So I think it's the right number. But I think also, as as we discussed earlier in the hour, that the schedule I just kind of is a killer for them. Uh, Just the division schedule is you know tough enough, but they also have that three out of five stretch in October. That includes a bye, but they play Seattle. By, they play they have the bye week, and then they're at San Francisco and Buffalo. That's a really three a difficult three-game stretch for anybody. And then the last three games of the season also certainly get my attention. That Pittsburgh, that's a short week because that game's on a Saturday. Then they play at Kansas City, and then they finish the season at home against Cleveland. And as I mentioned previously, uh, who knows where we're getting out of them. But uh, I like the Bengals. I'm a little concerned, maybe more than a little concerned about their secondary uh, after losing Von Bell, whose name I incredibly forgot in the first hour, an Ohio State guy that was really the first guy that Urban Meyer recruited. Well, actually, I think that Tressel actually recruited Von Bell, but uh, Meyer got him to stay in Columbus, and he was really kind of the key of that recruiting class that Ohio State won its last national championship with in 2014. Yeah, so definitely you have to like the Bengals. They're uh, coming off of, uh, you know, back-to-back AFC championship appearances here. They have a really good pass rushing unit, as Jay Morrison had pointed out. We know what they're capable of doing on offense with their wide receivers, Joe Burrow. Uh, I do have some question marks about the offensive line, uh, just until you kind of see it to, to make make yourself believe it. In addition to that, mm-hmm. we know who Joe Mixon is, but is he dispelled enough uh, with the backup situation 
situation because there is no Samaji P. Ryan. So just a little few things here and there that are a bit different than they were in the previous runs. And then you already touched on the secondary portion of things. But by no means am I uh, thinking that this is a bad football team. This is a very, very good football team. But 11 and a half wins, especially in this AFC North division. I think Jay absolutely hit the nail on the head there where it's very plausible that the Bengals go three and three in the AFC North and yet they could be uh, better than they were last year just because of the physical nature of this the this division and the way they play each other so I can't go over 11 and a half wins yeah I'll just add as I mentioned earlier that if you go if you're a team in this division and you go three and three in division games you're probably pretty happy about that the masses are on the over side of things, though, at 58% of the vote and under sitting at 11.5% at 42%. One more time here on the odds to win the AFC North with the Bengals at plus 150, the Ravens plus 210, the Browns plus 400, and the Steelers sitting at plus 470. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, the 2023 Houston Texans over under five and a half wins uh you know i certainly like some of the things that the texans have done bringing in D'Amico ryan's i think is going to be great he's going to help be able to turn around that defense and you got a stud in will anderson to be able to start things off in a good direction of being able to turn around that defense uh we'll see how cj stroud is if he does get get the uh start at uh week number one there's always going to be rookie growing pains with every rookie quarterback, so I'd have to expect some of that. Uh, whether or not the wide receiver core can kind of come around, we saw what Damian Pierce was able to accomplish last year here. Uh, they do play in the AFC South, though that's always an interesting interesting little dilemma here because of the Colts and their current situation. And then, of course, we were talking about the Titans and the Jaguars here. They also don't have, uh, you know, they start off with the Ravens. They then have the Colts and the Jags. Then they have the Steelers, the Falcons, and the Saints before their bye. Then they play the Panthers, the Bucks, have the Bengals and the Cardinals, the Jags, Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts to round things out for the Texans schedule this year. Uh, I think it all kind of comes down to how good is C.J. Stroud going to be if he does get the start week one? What sort of rookie growing pains are you going to uh, have from him? So there's just some patience that I think you're going to need as they continue to build this Houston team back up. I would say under five and a half wins. I'm definitely on the other side here. I'm on the over five and a half. I wish I don't think there's many of those still out there. This was the number for the large, large majority of the offseason when places like and there's a few places that started posting these totals in, in actually in, in you know, late April, early May. I didn't jump on it then because I think that's too early to bet these kind of things if you're putting any money on it uh, because God knows what could happen on the field and off the field before the season actually starts. But they've got one of the best tackle, offensive tackle combos in the league. They've got some very intriguing receivers. A couple of these guys haven't exactly performed the way we thought they would at the NFL level, but they've got some possibilities there. I think they have a chance to run the ball. And they actually, considering how bad they were in some areas, they ran the ball pretty well last year. They've been horribly coached the last couple of years. That's definitely going to change with D'Amico Ryan's. They've got some damn good defensive players. Uh, and, uh, you know, Ryan's has got something to work with here. Their special teams are amongst the best in the NFL. 
And I definitely think they're a team that's going to finish with, with, with more than five and a half. If I were just kind of you know, searching right now, I don't even know if there's five and a halfs left in the state of Arizona. In fact, I don't think there are, considering what we went through yesterday afternoon looking for this. I don't think they're there, but uh, we'll see how it, well, it goes. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, the best number for literally the most, like the entire offseason, this, this number just changed like in the last two weeks when people started betting on them. But I think it's over. And as far as the division goes, I actually think Tennessee wins the division. I'm just going to bank that they're, you know, almost impossible for them not to be. Uh, they're going to avoid the injuries. It's almost impossible to have the injuries they've had the last two years. I just cannot buy Jacksonville. I went through that yesterday. And I think Houston finishes third. I think that Indianapolis might be the worst team in the NFL this season, depending on what happens with their offensive line and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, yes, definitely. The They might be worse than the Cardinals, which is saying something. There's a lot a lot happening there for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, over under, though, for the Houston Texans, under five and a half wins at 70% of the vote, over sitting at 30%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Right now, it is caller number three, 602-260-1060. Caller number three, 602-260-1060. You're the winner of the $100 gift certificate. Duvon Hansen's Meats and Spirits. They're located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Visit their website, vonhansensmeats.net. Certified Angus Beef Grill Steaks at $12.99 a pound. Pork Butt Roast at $3.99 a pound. And Fresh Whole Frying Chickens at $1.99 a pound. That's called number three, $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 602-260-1060. We wrap up this Friday edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break right here on KDOS AM 1060. sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me the Doug Gottlieb show 1 to 3 p.m. August 18th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Right now there's a $100 gift certificate available for you powered by Superbook Sports. Download the KDOS 1060 app, register and follow along with the listener reward instructions for your chance at that $100 gift certificate. Speaking of $100 gift certificates, congratulations to our Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits winner for the week once again the uh, weekend special certified angus beef grill steaks at 12.99 a pound pork butt roast at 3.99 a pound and fresh whole frying chickens at 1.99 a pound it's thank you time though bob so take it away okay as always we thank you for listening special thanks to callers emailers tweeters texters whomever and whatever else uh, slipped through the cracks also our multiple guests today Texans preview with Jason Bristol 
from uh, KHOU, KHOU in uh, Station 11 in Houston. Also a Bengals preview with Jay Morrison of Pro Football Network and a Titans preview with Nick Suss of the Tennessean. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll continue to preview the NFL next week. The AFC East next week. Monday we'll start off with the Bengals. Then the following week we'll wrap up our season previews with the AFC West. Sound of the day courtesy of NBC. Fox, CBS, Major League Baseball, and also Cairo, the uh, Mariners' flagship station in Seattle. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. Uh, the Diamondbacks, they're at the Padres tonight. Uh, Brandon Fott versus Seth Lugo, 6.40 p.m., dbacks.com slash watch. The Arizona Cardinals are facing the Chiefs Saturday, welcoming, welcoming them to State Farm Stadium, 5 p.m. on Channel 12. Um, a couple of notes here that caught my attention around the world of the NFL. Jadavian Clowney, he signed yeah. with the Ravens. Not surprising. You know, we talked uh, and previewed the Ravens earlier this week with our longtime Ravens guest, Luke Jones, from WNST in Baltimore. And we both uh, expressed, uh, I think it's safe to say, some concern about the pass rush, even though I think Clowney is known by many people, uh, many to be a pass rusher because he's had some spectacular plays that involved a pass rush. He's more of a, uh, more of, he's been more of an effective run stopper in the NFL that he has been a pass rusher, but uh, we'll see how that all works out in Baltimore. Is he actually more known for his play at South Carolina where he blew up I blew up that player? Yeah, a guy from Michigan, yeah. in fact. Uh, I was actually, you know, that was New Year's Day, and uh, I was actually legitimately sick. I wasn't out drinking the night before or doing anything like that. I was uh, I, I wasn't the, the Fiesta Bowl that day. I didn't even go to the Fiesta Bowl that day because I was just not well. And uh, that was I remember watching that play, and I was not doing well. But uh, any time you get to see a Michigan player get blasted at the line of scrimmage, I felt better for at least a few moments. <laughs> Ron Rivera has named Sam Howell the season opening starter. Uh, that means he'll face the Cardinals when they head right. there for Week Number One. Yes. Commanders. My guy, we drafted him in our best ball draft last night, one of the late rounds. So oh. go Sam. All right. Commanders, they like his decisiveness, especially when working through progressions and his improved yeah. footwork on passes as well he, as handoffs. That dude could run a little bit, too. I mean, when he's in North Carolina, not out of necessity. I mean, he, he can run the ball a little bit, too. And uh, the Dolphins may have avoided some serious injury there with Teron Armstead, who was carted off the practice yeah. field yesterday. Does not look like he will require surgery and looking to be ready for week one for the Dolphins. That'll do it good. for... That's good news there. Absolutely. That'll do it for this edition of Extra Point on this Friday, August 18th. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday, starting with the Sports Zone at 9 a.m.